Hello and welcome to Great Ridge Station. I'm your host, Sam Helgerson, and I'm pretty much a fixture around these parts. Thanks for stopping in on your way through. Season 2, Episode 10. And to make things even more confusing, this is Part 8 of a series on what leaders actually do. It shows up everywhere. In fact, we all have one. We carry it around with us, but we rarely think about it. We can't live without it, and on its own, it's become a symbol of death. Well, what is it? It's your skull. Shakespeare's Hamlet holds a skull and offers the famous line, Alas, poor Yorick, I knew him, Horatio, a fellow of infinite jest. So where does this obsession come with skulls and death? Well, we can blame the ancient world. Great leaders in the ancient world, like Alexander the Great, emperors, kings, they would typically have someone with them during their greatest moments of triumph. And this person walked behind them and said the following phrase, Memento Mori. Remember that you are mortal. Since then, the image of the skull has served as a reminder of our mortality. The term memento, like kind of a cherished reminder of days past, comes from this idea. Remember that you are mortal. You know the things, a concert ticket, something your grandmother gave you, a key to nothing in particular that you got as a kid and it was pretty cool, or a faded rose from days gone by. In the tradition of memento mori, those things remind us of, well, the fragility of our life. And that's why so many great thinkers and leaders have kept a human skull in their shop or their studio or their workplace. In the midst of all of your achievements, memento mori. Remember that thou art mortal. Well, that was a cheerful beginning. I'm not exactly Dr. Optimism, but even for me, that was a bit grim. So where do we go from here? One of the things that leaders have to learn is to invest in a future that they may not be a part of. Invest in things that matter. Put our efforts into serving, well, a generation yet to be born. That might sound a bit idealistic to some, and maybe it is, but has it ever occurred to you that the point of life may not be in consuming all that you possibly can? It may not be in making a name for yourself. It may not be in creating a monument to your success. Memento mori. I had to turn to the Bible for some wisdom about this. Now, in the Old Testament, one of the prophets who spoke for God was a fellow named Micah from the town of Morasheth. Micah had a lot of things to say about oppressors, about rulers who took advantage of others. He also had things to say about the hope of redemption and the cost of climbing the ladder by stepping on others, of having it all and realizing that it's not worth anything. Memento mori. So into that situation, God speaks in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, which says, and I quote, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. I'd make the argument here that this is part of our calling as leaders. First, a disclaimer. I am not approaching this passage as a pastor might. We all have to live under some spiritual authority, so if your pastor, priest, or minister approaches this text differently, listen to them. 
I'm approaching this text as someone who's deeply concerned about the current state of leadership in our culture. Frankly, we're a mess. But the bad part of the mess is that we made it ourselves. See, I care deeply about us as leaders getting things right, taking the long view, and building a better world for tomorrow. I am someone who cares deeply about our responsibility to tend to what God has entrusted to us. So let's look at these and try to sort out our leadership responsibility in each one. First, to act justly. This is an easy one to ignore, but it shouldn't be. God will hold us accountable for how well we uphold justice. Now these days we're just starting to become more and more aware of the types of justice that there are, and we need to reckon with them. The Bible, particularly the Jewish scriptures, that would be the Old Testament for Christian listeners, approaches justice in terms of shalom. Shalom is most easily translated as peace, but that really sells the whole idea short. We hear peace as the absence of strife, but that doesn't capture the meaning at all. See, if you were to translate uh, shalom into a phrase rather than a single word, that phrase might very well be, all is right with the world. It means that our relationship with God is restored. Our relationship with one another is restored. Our relationship with ourself is restored. And our relationship with creation is restored. See, justice isn't a legal punitive term. If I may be allowed a pun, justice means that everything is just as it should be. As leaders, we need to think about that. We're responsible to uphold justice. So what kind of justice does the Bible talk about? This might surprise some folks, but here's a partial list. Social justice, political justice, economic justice, environmental justice, interpersonal justice, they all show up. So when God says, seek justice or act justly, it encompasses all of that. The thing that's so distressing is that God's people have not always gotten this right. Let me give you a quick lesson in understanding the Bible, particularly some of the Old Testament writings. People have often made the charge that the Bible is a violent book and that people do things that seem, well, evil. This is particularly in the narrative history portions. The narratives, though, are simply presented as, this is what happened, and they are presented without commentary. Now, the commentary is provided by the law, generally like the first five books of the Bible, but mostly Levit Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And the commentary is also provided by the prophets who spoke into the events of the day. Micah was one of those prophets. See, God's commentary was a concern for justice in an unjust time. See, leaders have to be about the business of doing justice within their organization, in their dealings with others, in their economic life. Like I said, not a legal justice, but a justice rooted in shalom, in wholeness, and personal responsibility. Next, to love mercy. We often think of mercy in opposition to justice, but biblically, mercy represents the pathway to justice. In some translations, this word mercy is translated as kindness. Mercy and kindness are important characteristics of God, and he is asking us to love mercy just as he does. 
It means showing unmerited kindness in difficult circumstances, seeing things from perspectives other than our own, and seeking the welfare of others. Now, this doesn't mean that we don't hold people accountable for their actions, and it doesn't mean that no one can ever get fired. It does mean that we put out the effort to help people to thrive. As leaders, when we're cultivating the right attitude, mercy is not a burden. It, become, it can become kind of our bent, our default position. But that only happens when we decide to love what God loves, justice and mercy. You know, a few days ago, I read an essay that has haunted me ever since. It's been described as a spiritual autobiography, and it traces one woman's journey toward faith in Christ in the Roman Catholic tradition. In this essay, she states her understanding and even appreciation of unorthodox religious practices as, and I quote, a place to feel how people who have suffered horrors I cannot even imagine negotiate a spiritual life with God in the face of ongoing hideous trouble that I have never known. End quote. That's from Candace Vogler, and I will post uh, a link to that, uh, to that essay. But what struck me about this statement was the mercy it showed. In reading her essay, it was clear that she had faced what was clearly hideous trouble. Indeed, far beyond anything that I could imagine. Her pain and her painful walk toward faith made Candace Vogler a woman of great mercy. Now, as I say, I put the link to the article on the show page. It is not easy to read, so my recommendation comes with some serious caveats. Like some parts of the Bible, her story is painful and brutal, but it winds up being a story of redemption, a redemption that is hard won only through indescribable suffering. That's just like some of those hard and painful parts of the Bible. It, too, is ultimately a story of redemption through the suffering of Jesus Christ. I really think leaders need to learn to do mercy and to learn to love doing it. And finally, to walk humbly with your God. This is one of the most challenging, of course. As leaders, we're raised on a developmental diet of self-reliance, personal responsibility, and the willingness to take on difficult challenges. Humility comes when we realize that we are not, on our own, up to the task. We all need to learn to walk humbly, regardless of whether we're a person of faith or not. I would argue that faith makes this easier, but still, not easy. Humility allows us to see our own limits. And in the context here, it allows us to see how we fail at justice, how we fail at mercy. Humility involves getting out of our own way, recognizing our failings, recognizing that even when we do things perfectly well, some things turn out perfectly badly. We can't do perfect justice because the system is so broken that justice in one area yields injustice in another. Mercy to one can seem merciless to another. It's pretty hard to think we're ever going to get this right on our own. I have a couple of friends who are lawyers, and this is one of the things that troubles them. They entered their field because they wanted to make a positive difference for society. Now, I know that's not the popular view of lawyers, But it's true, nonetheless. These lawyers wanted to make a difference in their particular field of law, only to discover that the best outcomes came with unintended consequences. 
sometimes really negative ones. And that can be disheartening. And we've all been there, or we will be. Our best outcomes are tainted with the worst. The system is so broken that we in and of ourselves cannot fix it and get it right. We can't get justice right. We can't get mercy right. And that is why we must learn to walk humbly. Our failures haunt us. But I've been where my successes haunt me. Sometimes my best intentions have been known to faceplant. I call it humility training. All of life is humility training, if we let it be. So grab a skull and carry it with you. Hear this, leaders. Memento mori. Remember that thou art mortal. That can be a potent reminder of the words that God spoke to the prophet Micah. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. Thanks for joining us at Great Ridge Station. All content is developed by Dr. Sam Helgerson with appropriate citations of outside sources. Our sound engineer is Brick Martin. All background and bumper media is in the public domain and retrieved from archive.org. The opening music is from Guy Lombardo, Down by the River. The closing music is from Annunzio Montavani, Skyscraper Fantasy. Limited opportunities are available for supporting sponsorships. Contact information is available on our show page. I'm already looking forward to your next visit to Great Ridge Station. Bye-bye.